Hey, I'm John Harris. And, you know, this is a conversation that I wanted to start having about four years ago and understanding coaches and colleges and how, how to really get recruiting um, to the next level. And now, honestly, with the COVID crisis and the pandemic that's going on, I think there's a lot of opportunity for people to do things like what we're doing today of trying to have conversations about what makes programs different and how kids can find their fit faster. So without further ado, here's Find Your Fit. My guest this evening is Garrett Schilling. Garrett is the assistant baseball coach at Bluefield College in Virginia. And without further ado, I'll let him take over because this is the whole point. I want him to be able to pitch. So Garrett, thanks for joining me, man. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. It's uh, We met a couple of years ago and we're both two kooky baseball guys that uh, got along just fine. So glad to well, be here, man. Yeah, honestly, being catchers, it kind of helps. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. So uh, first things first, you know, tell me a little bit about your background, you know, kind of take me through on your bio. It says you're a California guy, San Diego, born and bred. Um, so walk me through your development as a player, your development as a person, but ultimately how it transitioned in your coaching career. You know, the big thing, um, I went to junior college in California, um, coming out of high school. I didn't play my junior year, uh, wasn't emotionally ready. Um, very immature, especially emotionally and, and as physically as well as six foot two, 165, very tall, lanky guy. Um, you know, but that little fire underneath me, uh, to, to keep playing. So played my senior year at high school, um, played a lot and then went to junior college, um, played two years at San Diego Mesa community college under Kevin Hazlett, who's no longer there. Um, and then, uh, transferred out to Bluefield, played two years under Mike White here as a player. And then uh, after I was done, he uh, invited me, said, would you like to come work as a coach? I said, sure, why not? And uh, here I am five years later. Yeah. And so in, in kind of that development as a high schooler to junior college player, like, cause you're going to be able to reach out to a lot of guys. Cause I know we all went after junior college players in the conference. Yeah. Um, so kind of tell me as you're, career has led that way how do you get to relate more with those kind of players as you've kind of developed through that same channel or that path it's kind of one of those things just been there done that you know yeah. you talk to a guy and you know a lot of these junior college guys they know if you're lying to them right they know if you're giving them if you're bsing them so it's one of those things that i feel like being from that level and going through the same struggles that they did they can connect to that and go, okay, this guy kind of knows what he's talking about. And then it's a foot in the door for me. Yeah. Um, plus I, there's just something about the Juco life. I mean, it, there's, it just pulls you back to it a little bit. Yeah. And honestly, I have no, I have no experience there because I went to the same place for all five years, redshirted same place, went and played for four years. So I mean, I, as far as the transition goes, like I don't have the experience of what it's like to change, have regime change. I, I try and make that point with kids a lot. It's like, you're going to, yeah you're gonna have so many regime changes if your career goes longer. So obviously for a kid that goes high school, JUCO, JUCO four year, it's like, well, how do you handle that regime change? And so I guess the, you know, my next question would just be like, was that something that you guys did at San Diego Mesa where your coach was kind of prepping you into that regime change and how did that kind of affect your, your I guess, abilities as a player to handle other coaches? When I went San Diego Mesa, that was probably the hardest two years of my college as far as school, uh, how to act on the field, how to act in the weight room. It, it was a big 360 for me because it wasn't one of those things in high school that doesn't really get taught that much. But when I left San Diego Mesa, coming to Bluefield College and exiting junior college, was it made it easier. Bluefield was easier than back home in junior college. And 
that was the way that our head coach had set it up at the time so that when we got to a different place, we knew how to adapt. We knew how to handle ourselves in the classroom. We didn't have to worry about having bad grades. It was one of those things that he knew that once we left, we were fine. Mm. Yeah, so he set the bar high. The standard yeah. was set. You know, it's very, very, very much high. a high bar. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. good. So like you're, I guess, I know a lot more programs in the junior college level are doing that. It's just, I think the stigma or the stereotype about junior college is that it's some low functioning, you know, baseball only mindset that doesn't have, you know, a transitive property or like ability to transfer into a different school and help kids be successful. What what would you kind of react to that? I mean, I'd say it's about 50-50. You run Mm -hmm. into those guys that that are serious about getting guys out. Uh, My buddy over at at COD College of the Desert, Sam DiMatteo and Casey Dill, you know, that's what they're there for. They want to move guys out. They want guys to be successful. And then you get some that aren't as – uh, academic moving on minded. And it's just, it's one of those, it's just based on the program and it's based on the coaching staff. It's based yeah. on the culture that's there. And that's definitely, you know, we're going to get into that, but it's definitely something that we look for. Right. And so like when you, when you touch on culture, cause culture was one of those words that kind of come into my mind when I think about that, like who sets it? Cause sometimes I think the kids based on the pool in which that school would recruit might set the culture, even though, you know, as the years would go by, it looks like the coach is setting that culture. How do you, how do you see that handling? Uh, and I guess today's player or like today's coaching staffs of trying to develop that culture, even though maybe the pool of recruits might already fit that type and yeah. it's kind of hard to weed them out of that. So how do you, th- I don't know. It's kind of one of those things that I feel like the coaching staff puts out or lays out an outline of a culture that they like. But in all reality, it's one of those things that there's more kids than coaches. Right. So however the kids are going to act, you know, it's kind of one of those things that it's a very fine line that that culture can go the correct way or that culture can go the wrong way. Right. Or it can consume ultimately. Right. Exactly. Or it can just consume. It's one of those things. uh, I was reading the the Marine Corps booklet that they put out. It's called Squad Leader Makes the Difference. Yeah. And great book. And uh, uh, Jocko was talking about it on this podcast not too long ago. That dude is crazy. But yeah, yeah, it's just one of those things that, you know, I feel like if the coaches allow, give the empowerment to the kids to, to create a culture, a winning culture, I feel like majority of the time you'll get 65% will do it. And then the 65% will weed out the 35% that don't want to get on board. So it's a combination, but it's definitely yeah. more, it's definitely more on the kids and it's tough for us. You know, when you get two units, two years of junior college, two years at a four year, you know, it's not like you had five years to build a culture. You had five years in the same culture and you were able to, once your first two years, you got it and was able to grab the guys that were in your spot two years ago and go, Hey man, this is how we do things here. I sometimes I get to miss out on that. Yeah. And also too, I think that also has to go back, going back to the the players that you're bringing in. It's like, sometimes that works great. And other times yeah. that fails flat on its face. So, um, you know, like, I guess another thing too would be, do you think the, the generational player that's coming out now, like, where do you see that as a whole? And I know we're, we're kind of getting more general and very broad. I know there are a lot of players out there that aren't this way, but as far as the culture of the generation goes, have you kind of molded your mindset a little bit based on how you were as a junior college player 
to how you were as a, a four-year college player. And then now as a coach, like has your mindset or your cultural aspect viewpoint changed in any way based on the generation you're dealing with as a, as a recruiting coach? It's a thousand percent. I mean, you know, for us, the last couple of years, we've had more talented teams, you know, a perfect example is we've had more talented teams here at Bluefield than that were here when I played. But the generation that I played with, I tell my guys all the time, we would have won in a fight. We were mean. Yeah. We were under talented. We were mean. We wanted right. to play. That's what we were here for. Um, you know, I, I get in this old fogey thing of back to my day. Yeah. You know how that goes. But it's yeah. just, I don't know. I feel like with, and uh, this is, comes from a couple conversations with people. I feel like with social media, um, the aspect of playing Division One pro ball seems so much easier than it actually is. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's one of those things that hinders guys is they see nobody watches baseball games anymore. Nobody watches a full game. They catch Sports Center in the morning. Right. They catch the highlights. Yeah, highlights so, on YouTube, the little snippets on Twitter and, and TikTok and all that. Yeah, it's getting shorter and shorter. And I feel like it's one of those things. Travel ball has done a great job in that more players are playing. They're all over the place. Mm-hmm. They're easy accessible. But I think it's also there's always cons with pros in that. I think the fundamentals aren't being taught anymore. Yeah. Not as much. Now that's a very general term. There might be guys out there that are teaching it. And if there are, I'd love to find out who they are and love to chat with them. Yeah. Um, You know, but when I was growing up, I had an old guy that just pounded the fundamentals into our head. Mm -hmm. We did nothing, but I mean, I remember spending two hours of nothing but sliding or nothing but bunk coverages and talking about small stuff like that, Mm -hmm. you know, if the grass, simple stuff like is the grass wet, how many steps does it take from the warning track to the, to the wall? Mm-hmm. Um, little stuff like that. Yeah. Know, or right? even pitch and like catch, man. Pitch and catch. Just, yeah. I feel like, you know, how do you call a game? How do you read a hitter in the box? Where is he out in the box? What's his swing look like? How do I, how am I going to call this pitching? Where do we call it here? We call it being a step ahead. I don't think with the generation right now, I, don't, I think we're struggling to find out at lower levels how to teach the game in the aspect of how do you teach one step ahead? How do you teach guys how to think the game rather than just going from A to B? How do we get there? Mm -hmm. And that's a question that, you know, when I get guys, I might be a little too late, but I challenge my guys all the time. You know, if you ask me a question or I I tell you to do something, don't be afraid to ask why. Right. What do you see? Why do you say that? How do, how do I fix it? Mm-hmm. You know, we talk about creating goals and, you know, we want to do this. We want to, we want to throw, we want to throw 90 miles an hour. Okay. Great. We've established and looked at what we want. How do we get there? Right. So that's the big thing that if I could say anything to this generation coming up is ask questions. How right. does the game work? Why does it move this way? Right. What am I looking at? Yeah. Well, I think, you know, that falls on, I, I read a, a good quote that says, I'm not, I'm, I'm not young enough to know everything. And I think that sometimes we fall as like you said, they have all the social media. They've got all the uh, things at their fingertips that basically tell them everything they want to know. Yeah. But, you know, like in school, I, I used to, when I was coaching at Reinhardt's, like I would ask kids, what math are you in to try and get their mind thinking on a different level when they thought they knew everything about the game. I said, well, what math are you in? They'd say, well, I'm in like trig, you know, I'm in algebra two or whatever. And I'm like, well, why don't you know trig? 
Like, why aren't you in calculus? Why aren't you in, you know, some really advanced form of math? It's like, cause you haven't progressed there properly. And when you're yeah. talking about high school coaches or travel ball coaches, like I always, I always love seeing a, a travel ball team or whatever that says that, you know, that their big thing is player development, but all they do is play games. I'm like, well, well, that's one aspect of player development. What else is there? Well, there's a yeah. ton out, you know, there's a ton of training tools for player development. So I guess, you know, you hit the nail on the head with talking about all that stuff with the culture, with the social media, you know, building on, you know, kind of those foundational ideas that your program does. Um, and I guess I'm trying to segue into, you know, your school aspect, because obviously the academic side comes into play too. You know, everybody, you know, even when I was playing, you were playing, it's like, we all want to get on the field and go play, but oh crap, we got to, we got to go to class. We got to, we got to focus on what we're going to do the rest of our life at once baseball ends. So, you know, tell me about Bluefield, talk, talk about, you know, some of the programs that you have academic wise, the structure, you know, maybe your, your average guy academically who succeeds as far as their grade point averages or their test scores, just to try and get kind of more of a bubble as to, breakdown later when we talk about recruiting because we've already uh, we've already taken into account the academic things that are going to help your guys succeed in your program yeah i mean you know the, the three big programs that you see here at bluefield college a lot of guys are in is a uh, criminal justice which mm-hmm. in the state of virginia we're top five in the state of virginia as far as okay. program wise uh you'll see sports management mm-hmm. um which i've actually had a lot of teammates um go through get their degree in once uh double a clubby for the the Oakland Athletics. Uh, another one is uh, working. Coach White's had a couple guys here. Stevie Baker, who is a uh, area scout for the uh, Padres. He's also had another one who's an area scout for the Red Sox, Lee Bryant. Um, you know, we've had some guys do some exercise science stuff. Uh, one of my old teammates is actually a strength and conditioning coach in Toronto's organization. Okay. Um, you know, so – uh, those are the real big ones. Uh, the big thing for us this year, we actually just um, made a partnership with VCOM, which is okay. the Virginia College of Osteopathic Medicine. Oh, wow. Um, it's the second largest medical school in the country. He's got one in Auburn, and then he's got one in, in Blacksburg. Um, we just partnered up. There's a pharmacy school about 45 minutes down the road from us, and then us. Um, basically, so we're getting ready to, to make that turn into a health sciences college. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. So, uh, a good old boy from the, the Appalachian Mount, Appalachian mountains. If I say that wrong, I get, they'll run me out of town yeah. um, from the Appalachian mountains. Yeah. A guy named by the name of John Rockovich. Okay. Um, he wanted to make, he wanted to make medical school more accessible to the people of this Mount, to this area. Okay. And they laughed at him and he said, okay, I'll show you. And he showed him. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's rather large and it's something we're excited about because well, for us, it's going to bring a different, it's going to bring a different style of student. Okay. And then with that style of student, like this is the university able to support that. I mean, like, you know, cause sometimes you get schools that have lower, you know, academic requirements than others. And then you try and bring in this new program and it kind of changes the, uh, the culture as far as academically goes, but like, as far as your school goes, I mean, it sounds like you guys are pretty, average above average as far as school goes so that you can bring in something like that and still be very successful in your area. Yeah. You know, um, honestly with, with us, if very rarely we look at a guy that has below a 2.5, okay. um, you know, for us, um, 
you know, we want to bring guys in and we want to make sure that they do well academically. You know, there's things that um, I, I think you and you as a player, me as a player, everybody else as a player, there's things that coaches have to deal with that mm-hmm. we have no idea until we get in it. Um, you know, there's certain requirements that we have to have. You know, we're, we're the outgoing face of the university. We're the outgoing face of the college. So, you know, are we bringing in that certain type of academic student as well as personality-wise? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so you touched on the academic programs, a geographical location. Like, so, you know, give people an understanding of, you know, I know you're in Virginia, but like where exactly geographical to the, the state, I guess, um, okay, would so you say about- you guys are at? We're in the very southwest corner. We border right there on West Virginia. Actually, it's funny. I just my wife and I just bought a house in West Virginia. Okay, um, but I still work. It's a five minute drive, um, about forty five minutes uh, from Blacksburg, where Virginia mm-hmm. Tech's at. Um, about an hour and a half east of Bristol, mm-hmm. and then about three hours west of Charlotte, North Carolina. Okay. And so yeah. obviously like with those areas around, like you've got things for people to do. I know one of the things with small schools or small college baseball, everybody always asks like, well, what is there to do? So as far as the geographical plenty. locations, like, you know, what do you got? You got, you know, some big cities around you or you got some opportunities for guys to go have a good time. Not too good, but you know, a good time out and about. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we talk about that in every recruit I bring in, you know, you need to talk about finding the fit, you know, you're gonna you're not gonna remember the games you're not gonna remember you'll remember one or two what you'll remember is your teammates the long bus rides the nights out the nights in the hotel that stuff is just as important as the academics and the baseball is you want to make sure that you know like bluefield it's isolated it's a small town bluefield is is a small town but it's close enough to things that if you wanted to go find something to do, you could find something to do. Right. But we try to play that as an advantage. You know, me coming from San Diego, California, I was working 20, 30 hours a week and trying to play ball and trying to go to school. Um, when I came out here, there was just, there was no distractions. Right. I could go spend the extra time in the weight room. I could spend the extra time in the classroom. I could spend the extra time at the field doing my work and still mm-hmm. had plenty of time for social time. Right. So to me, it was a blessing in disguise because it was quieter. Yeah. And but, you probably didn't have, yeah, the distractions kind of played into where not everybody else, you know, it wasn't like you're the only person that didn't have anything else to do or had little to do. You're, you're kind of in the same boat with all your teammates and then all your, all your, um, your student, you know, your exactly. colleagues in school. We, so we still had our fun. Don't you yeah. worry about that. We still had plenty of fun. Yeah. I think everybody, it's funny. It's like, yeah you talk about small town baseball and going places like, you know, like where I played Boiling Springs, North Carolina. It's like, you know, it's a one horse town, but for the people who want to find some stuff to do, they'll find it. I mean, it's not, it's not hard for people to go out and find something and then realize that they like, yeah. You want to see imagination. Right. Put put somebody in a confined space and see where they go after it's, you know, Mm -hmm. 1130 at night and come back with a story the next morning. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, now touch on facilities. I know you guys are playing in minor league location. You guys are playing with the blue field, uh, blue Jays are playing. Are they still there? How does that work? And, you know, kind of go through transition period once you guys finish your season. Okay. So they're not here anymore, but okay. MLB and USA baseball actually just picked it up. The, the okay. Appalachian league, Johnson city, um, all the teams that were in the original old Appy league are now a part of a, uh, 
league powered by USA Baseball, sponsored by MLB Baseball. Oh, cool. um, basically, it's set up similar to Coastal Plains, Cape Cod, mm-hmm. um, freshman, sophomore, um, invite only. Um, basically, it's guys that aren't draft eligible but have started to surface on draft boards. All 32 teams are scouting it. Um, so it's kind of a nice transition for us. Um, but, yeah, we have full access to their clubhouse. Um, indoor hitting facility, two full tunnels, uh, two full cages, big turf area. And then, uh, yeah, we get to play and practice on that, that pretty, pretty field every single day. Yeah. And it, it is a nice field. I mean, honestly, it's what Bowen, Bowen field, Bowen field, Charlie Bowen A. Field. Peters park touch on about the school is, you know, scholarship opportunity, academic wise, you know, what can people be eligible for straight out of the gate? You know, what do people usually do as far as your players go? And then touch on that a little bit on the baseball side to kind of pull your packages together. You know, um, we have a unique opportunity here. What's nice is uh, we are a private institution, so there's no in-state, out-state. Everybody pays the same price. Um, You know, typically uh, we stack our academic and athletic, so just bigger package for you. Um, There's not a player on our roster that is not receiving some sort of athletic aid. Mm -hmm. Everybody on the roster is receiving some sort of athletic aid. Um, you know, the big thing I can tell you is ac- academic money is free money. If you right. just put in the work, it's, it's easy money for you. Um, it just makes your package that much better. You know, don't really deviate for us. You know, if I like a kid, all right, we're going to give him this amount, but you know, if he's only a $6,000 academic kid, then this is all I can do. All right. right. What they, what, you know, what sometimes they don't understand is we've got to stretch this budget to a certain, you know, roster size. Okay. And then um, tuition for you guys is what's what, where's 27, it? 27,000. Okay. And yeah. you said, you know, being a private institution, everybody's paying that. So usually what do you guys get it down to like right out the gate, like with your minimum qualifiers, like, you know, you said you were touching on, you don't really pull in anybody that's not a two five or higher. Yeah. So with that, what are they getting if they're the minimum qualification for two five? I actually have it written on the board. Hang on. <laughs> Two five. I mean, you know, if you're if you're a two five, you're getting three grand. And then it so goes again. You're going down twenty four, and then you're just you're going twenty four. And it's and parents <clears> freak <throat> out when they hear the big numbers, and kids freak out when they hear the big numbers. But when you start factoring in athletic money, academic money, FAFSA, maybe some outside scholarships and grants. You know, one for us is Virginia kids. They get VTAG, which is four grand a year, right? Just free money just for being a, a Virginia resident. Yep. Um, you know, and there's a bunch. I tell guys right now, there's a bunch of free scholarships out there. All you got to do is you might have to write a paper. Right. I mean, I don't know about you. I don't know how many papers I wrote that are worth four or five grand a year. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, well, we even know, had I'll, one that we joked about at Gardner Webb. And uh, I guess it was kind of funny. It was like, you know, especially if you have like a faith based university, it's like you can, you can get a church to write you a recommendation letter. And all of a sudden that's a couple thousand dollars here and there every, every semester. And all you had to do was go ask the church that you went to, to give you a recommendation, you know, yeah. not a, not a hard thing to do. I think most kids just see face value of something without kind of diving into what are the opportunities really? And how do we break it down to where I'm not stuck with that final dollar amount once I'm done with my degree or, you know, if I'm, you know, trying to and do that- something afterwards that was nice. What was about the junior college route for me is, you know, it was pretty much with, with a few scholarships, it was free. Yeah. You know, and that's an option, but, um, 
you know, we try to make it very, very affordable. You know, I, we get that. We understand <clears throat> college is expensive. We get that. You know, that's why we always tell guys it needs to fit you in, in four ways. It needs to fit you academically. It needs to fit you athletically. It needs to fit you socially. And then the big one is it needs to fit you financially. Right. You know, if you're paying a boatload of money, you know, I've had guys that, that go coach. Uh, I really appreciate it. I don't like the small school setting. I want to go to a bigger university. Money's not a thing to me. Okay, that's fine. I, right. I'm glad that money's not an issue to you because it's an issue to me. And right. I'm out of college. And I'm supposed to be make, paying these bills. You got a baby that just showed up. My right. wife's pressuring me for one. Yeah. You know, <laughs> So it's one of those things, yeah. man, that, you know, I, I get it. College is expensive. Right. But with everything going on, you know, that's why I always tell parents, wait till you get the full financial package before you start yeah. breaking down. Yeah. Because that's, that's the other thing, too. I think parents on the side of the recruiting process is – you know, I think coaches on both levels, either the high school travel level that's over here or the college level. It's like the only time we ever want the co- the parents' opinion is like when it comes down to the price tag. So as far as getting their involvement in that, I always thought it was funny, both as a player and a coach. It's like I, as a player, had no clue. And then yeah. when I got out, I was like, bam, like, oh, I should have paid more attention to this. As a coach, I tried to get a little bit more, you know, hey, this is what we're trying to do. This is how it's going to look. This is how it's going to work. But yes, here are your foundations of it so you can understand it a little bit better so that you're not hit in the face with it four years down the road. And it sounds like you're doing the exact same thing and you're trying to, you know, keep everybody aware of what that looks like. So yeah, at the end of the process, you're not sitting there going, oh my gosh, that's what we have to pay. They said that we're on 75% or whatever, but it's still a big number. And so you have to factor in all those, you know, those little elements that will add up over time. And especially to make sure that nobody gets deterred from a great opportunity. Cause obviously you, you know, you don't want to deter a kid from having a great opportunity at Bluefield at the same way that I did at the places that I was coaching. Yeah. It's just one of those things, you know, I'm very old school in the fact that I want to make sure that nobody thinks Bluefield college is trying to bamboozle people. Right. I don't want people to try to think we're tricking them into coming here. Mm-hmm. I want to be as transparent as possible. That right. way, when you get into it and it turns out to be the wrong decision, it's not something that we tricked you into. Right. It's you want to make sure. We, yeah. Yeah. You want to make sure it's that just, their fit is right. And you're, you're honestly just trying to give them the most information as possible. I don't, so that, I don't want kids. I don't want kids. I might have a roster. I don't want kids that show up for a year and leave. Right. That's, I don't want that. I want kids to show up for four years, graduate and be and, and go. Right. That's the fun to me as a coach is I enjoy watching players walk across the stage, come back a year or two later, go coach. I got a job. I'm getting married. Thank you for everything. You, you helped me in baseball, but you helped me in, in life. And yeah. that's, that's more fun to me than anything else. Yeah. And I think, you know, like I said, in the recruiting process as a player, we don't look at that as a player. You know, no. like, I don't know about you, but personally for me, like I was so gung ho about the opportunities of trying to play to where it took me the five years at Gardner Webb to really appreciate my head coach, Rusty Strat for all that he did. And it was, you know, it's like, you know, man, like I look back and I'm like, I was an idiot at 18. You know, I was not very smart, nor did I, I'm surprised that anybody had patience, you know, to some degree on some of the things that I might've said or did to where it looked like I was ungrateful. And I think that sometimes we fall into that trap as players or 
you know, I, I like it when coaches kind of call it out, but they call it out kind of quietly because you don't want it to backlash. And so, you know, that that's back speaking upon your culture and how you, you guys kind of look at things. So I guess if that makes more sense, you were talking about personal relationships with your players, you know, trying to get those when they come back, you have great relationships still, and they're very respectful and grateful for the opportunities because it, it did reach a different level. Right? I mean, you know, I think there's a lot of coaches out there that would say, well, it's not just about the game. It's about everything else. The game usually takes care of itself once you do the big things. Is that true for you guys? Yeah, the big thing that we push here is the little things. Right. You know, being able to take care of the little things as simple as making sure you're on time, making sure your classwork's done, making sure you're communicating, shooting a text. Hey, coach, my car broke down. All right, cool. I understand that. But it's, it's, it's little things. And the big thing for us is if you take care of the little things, the big things will take care of themselves. Right. You know how to play the game. Otherwise, we wouldn't have brought you here. Right. We wouldn't have invested. We wouldn't have invested in you if we didn't think you could play the game. Mm-hmm. What we're trying to do is, you know, I don't know how many guys you play with, how many guys I've seen, you know, that just don't play pro ball. Pro ball's hard. Right. But the there's a bigger number of guys that go on to be fathers, that go on to be husbands, that go on into the real life. And the fact that, um, you know, I can get a guy that calls me and goes, hey, coach, I'm applying for this job. Can I put you down on my references? Right. Yes, 100% yeah. you can. Yeah, I still have I still have kids from programs that I've, you know, since been a part of for five years or past five years. And it's like, man, you know, first of all, hey, how you doing? Second of all, absolutely. You do whichever you do, whatever you need, man. Of course, it's one of those things to me that, you know, you talked about being a faith based campus. It's it's it talks it, that makes me know that I'm doing the right thing, right. that I am where I'm supposed to be, that I've done what I'm supposed to do. You know, for us, you know, I get to play the fun role, and you did too as an assistant coach. We get to be a little closer with these guys. Yeah. You know, head coach got to take care of some uh, administrative work, and he's got to be – sometimes he's got to be the bad guy. Right. And and I find that fun. I find that intriguing. I find it challenging because you get to to talk to the player and have this personal relationship with the player and get to try to convey what the coach is doing – get to convey what he wants to them in a way that they understand. And it's different from person to person. Translate. Yeah. I I used to make that point all the time. It's like my job as the assistant coach was to translate what the head coach was trying to say, even though not everybody's going to get it the exact same way. Shoot. You could say the same thing to five players and you have to translate to all five players differently. So yeah, yeah, I understand that completely. And that's something funny that, you know, always gets brought up in conversation, but players don't get it until they're in it. No, they don't get it till they're in it. And then most of the time they don't get it till they're out of it either. Right. I didn't, yeah. you know, I never understood. We called it therapy. It yeah. was an hour and a half of, it was 90 minutes of just blabbermouth venting. And he'd just sit there and listen. And then at the end, he'd put your hand, put his arm around you and go, Hey man, I guess it's going to be okay. And you'd go, okay. Yeah. And then that, like, that is way more fun to me. Yeah. You know, the game's fun, but the, you know, like Tony Gwynn used to say, you know, the hard part about coaching is figuring out who needs the carrot and who needs the stick. Yeah. You know, who needs nurturing and who needs a little right. kick in the butt to get going. Right. Well, you know, I we're, think, mani- we're not, we're not coaching the game. We're yeah. managing personalities. Right. Which is no different than how we were as catchers. I mean, realistically, all your pitchers, when you go out to the mound, it's like, you know, you're not going to, you're not going to light a fire under the guy that gets scared easily. You know, you're going to be no, like, hey, that's funny. You know, you're that's okay, funny. man. 
It's okay. It's okay. Yeah. That's funny you say that because my roommate called my my roommate called me. He's our eighth inning guy. He called me. Uh, he called me the other day. We were talking about it. He goes, you know, I used to hate when you came out to the mound. I was like, why? He goes, because you hold the ball and you walk. And I was like, what? He goes, I felt naked without it. And he goes, all I yeah. could think about, it, I never listened to a word you said was, give me the ball. Yeah, give me the ball. And I said, I know, I did it on purpose. Yeah. 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 I said, because it made you mad. And I said, you blow smoke through the next yeah. guy and we'd win. We'd be right. done. Yeah. Yeah. Little, but, little, little things for sure. Right there. Little things, little things. All right. So breaking down recruiting now. So we go a little bit more in detail, um, you know, for all the guys that might watch this players or parents and even high school or travel ball coaches like to help understand even further. Cause I know everybody's preaching it, but until they actually hear the coach talking about it, it's like the player doesn't want to listen, which is another translation that we've always touched on of saying, you know, Hey, we get, what you want to do. How do we get there? And is it the right fit is what he's talking about going to resonate with you on a level where you're finally able to listen to it so that you, you, the player get the benefit of this. So for all those players out there, you know, first tell me about what are you looking for? Like a year to year basis, like maybe what's your recruiting class right now. um, And what, how does that break down in the 2021 class that you're looking at right now? You know, it's kind of the old adage, everybody's looking for an arm, everybody's looking for a shortstop, and everybody's looking for a catcher. Um, you know, with, with COVID, um, not really looking for a whole lot, couple arms, maybe a middle guy and a, and a, and a corner guy uh, in the infield and, and maybe a catcher. Um, getting a lot back. Um, so not very much of what we're looking for. Um, you know, but the, the thing that I'm always looking for is I'm looking, obviously I want players that can play. You know, that is a gold standard. You, you can talk to every coach, recruiting coordinator, anybody who's in it. Obviously, I'm not going to have a conversation with you if I don't think you can play. Right. You know, the big thing that we go out and look for, I have had the privilege of being under the same guy for seven years. I played for him. I work for him now. Um, I ha- have had the privilege of knowing what he likes in players and knowing what he doesn't like in players. Right. So it kind of gives you an advantage as a recruiting coordinator to kind of already filter based on the test that you guys have already figured out over your course of working together. Exactly. I know the culture that he wants to build here. I know the kind of player he wants and what works well for his style. He's old school. He's very, he's not, doesn't sugarcoat much. He's very blunt, honest with guys. He expects a ton out of guys, but that's because he, he sees flashes in players that uh, he knows what they can truly be. Sometimes they just don't see it themselves. Right. And I think that's kind of our goal as coaches. It's like we see this, this canvas of, you know, great potential, and yet the canvas doesn't want to be painted on sometimes. Yeah, exactly. And then, and then as soon as it happens, you're just like, oh, my gosh, like Bob Ross the sucker, you know, like <laughs> we're, we're finally ready. And the canvas yeah. is finally ready to get painted on. And it's like, oh, we've been waiting with the paintbrush and paint all, you know, we're, we're so ready for this. Um, yeah, waiting so, three and a half years. What are we doing? Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, what's you know, taking just, you so long? Yeah. And that's, that's really what I'm looking for is, you know, obviously I want guys that can play, but I want guys that I know that are going to come into our family because we, we hold this, hold this very, very sacred. Right. You know, to me, it's very sacred. I spend more time here than I do with my wife sometimes. Right. And I don't want guys, I would take a, a lesser talented guy that wasn't a turd bucket because I want to be around that guy. 
I want to spend time with him. When things aren't going his way, I want to spend the extra hours with him so that things are going his way. Or even when the team's not going the way you want to. And like, you know, now you don't have a bunch of kids just moping around a corner. Exactly. I want guys for us. I want uh, the blue collar work ethic. I want you to just play hard and I want you to treat the game the right way. Right. You know, there, we don't have very many team rules here. Uh, for us, it's don't put your, don't do anything, put yourself, the ball club or your family in a bad light. Right. You know, uh, all I ask my guys is just give me everything you got. If you're giving me everything you got, I'll give you everything I've got. Yeah. And that's it. And that's the kind of guy I want. I want the guy that goes over four has still has a smile on his face, but when the game comes down to it, he's not moping around. He right. dives, make the, makes the hole in the backhand play to save the game. Yeah. He's locked dead on defense going, man, I can't do nothing on offense today, right. but I tell you what, nothing's going defensively, sure. nothing's going to get past for, for the thing that I can control, I'm going to do the best that I can at it. Exactly. You know, I, I think that's, uh, you know, when we talked about Jocko a little bit earlier, it's like when he's talking about those military mindsets, it's like, well, you know, you could hate each other off the battlefield, but like, as long as I know you got my back and, and I've got yours, like there's nothing that's getting by us. And I think that oh. camaraderie, that culture builds that trust, which is, you know, ultimately the thing that makes championship teams and not championship teams. I think that, that, you know, I, I played on a team in 2011 where we pushed coastal Carolina for the, you know, the, the conference championship for the big South. And I mean, like we hated each other off the field. Like we didn't hang out with each other, but when we got into that niche or that setting, it was the military mindset. It was like, I got you, you got me. We could care less about what happened yesterday, but my gosh, we're, we're going to get this done today. Um, And it seems you guys have a good grasp on that as far as you and your, your, your culture and how that's built the personality side totally get as far as the physicality side, what are kind of the body types that you guys are looking for, or even, you know, I'll even throw it out there, even though they don't matter stats, like, are you looking at stats on players? How do you kind of break down the physical and the statistical side in order to kind of break things down as to what you see as a, um, a blue field caliber player and then a not blue field caliber player. So the big thing, you know, specifically on the mound I'm looking at, I've had guys that are five foot nine that throw 92 and I've had guys that are six foot 10 that throw 82. Right. You know, it's a physical thing while we look at it, it's, it's just a factor, you know, statistically wise on the mound, I'm looking for a guy that probably strikes out. If he strikes out two and a half to three guys per walk, I'm looking for guys that have higher strikeouts and walks. I need yeah. guys that throw strikes. You know, do does velo matter? Yes. Does velo matter that much? There's a certain threshold that we look for, but you know, just as well as I do, I think NEI is one of the harder divisions because you see guys that throw 82 miles an hour and punch out 15 right. in a game, and you see guys that throw 95 and just get shelled around the ballpark. Well, the spectrum's so wide. I yes. mean, I think that's kind of the thing now with like D1 baseball, D, even D2 baseball. It's like those higher caliber, you know, recruits that go into those settings. And it's like, well, on a scouting report now as an opposing team, you can just range now to that highest of high, which would be yeah. like 94 to yeah. the lowest of low, which is still about 86, 87. I'm like, that range is better than going 95 Friday night guy and the 79 middle inning eater. And it's yeah, like, buddy, well, that, that stinks. Like, I can't stand that spectrum of being so wide as a hitter, you know, because no. even, you know, I'm sure you've had experience with the midweek guys. Oh. Uh, like, you know, you're just sitting here thinking about, well, 
well, if they could just stick to that low, that small range of, even if it's high, you know, like they could be yeah. burners, but for all, all sake of the matter, it's like, I would rather have that short window where it's a high window than the wide spectrum that is 99 to 79, hypothetically yeah. speaking. And it's just yeah. so frustrating as a hitter to try and balance that spectrum. Yeah. And in the conference, you know, you, you coach in the Appalachian athletic conference, you know, the quality of arms were running out here. You know, TWC had a guy last year, Tennessee. Oh, they're sorry. They're TWU now. They're Tennessee. Oh, are they? Yes. They changed. They changed. Billy and them over there, they just put a new turf field in. So I got to make sure I get them the correct way. Yeah. Um, You know, uh, you know, they, they run good arms. They had a guy up last, this or last year was up to 98. Wasn't that, was, was that the guy that was there last year? Yeah, or the, the, or the year, yeah, exactly. So it was like they'd run yeah. him out there for like an inning and a half, and then they'd all get frustrated at him because he couldn't throw strikes. And it's just like, well, what's the point? You're going to throw that hard and not throw strikes. Exactly. And then, you know, you go down and face a team like St. Andrews. St. Andrews got a left-hander that's 82, 84. But by God, you look up every time he's got seven, ten strikeouts every right. time he starts. Mill- Milligan always had the same thing. It's like they would just yeah. frustrate the heck out of you because they all threw strikes, but they're – there were one of those ones where like, if you're watching the game as a spectator, you're going, how's this guy not getting shelled? And as a hitter, you're thinking the same thing. And then you go up big eyed, you know, excited. And before you know it, that little. Yeah. It's nothing straight. Right. And then all of a sudden you're, you're going, okay, now I see why this guy's having success. It's like, he's moving it around. He's, you know, he's a slow Greg Maddox on me. He's just, yeah. You know, the stats will point you to those who can play. Right. You know, the numbers don't lie. There's a reason we keep stats. There's a reason we keep score. The numbers don't lie. Right. Um, you know, I want guys that, you know, and we also break it down on game by game. You know, I go to a stat and, you know, it might be, oh, he had, he's got 22 punchies, but he's got 12 walks. Okay. Well, let's go back. Did he have a bad game? Right. All right. Did, did he have a game where he had six walks? All right. So his stats aren't skewed that bad. He just had a bad game. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those things. We, we had this argument the other day and uh, my brother and I, my brother plays in the American association and his mm-hmm. couple of his friends play pro ball. And uh, one plays in the, the Tampa Bay race organization. And I was giving him a hard time. I said, uh, so 73 pitches, sixth inning, huh? And he just started laying on me. And uh, it's kind of one of those things that, you know, with the, the Blake Schnell getting pulled in the sixth and all that right. stuff and yeah. the analytics, um, you know, numbers are important. Numbers and data are important, but there's also things that I think in baseball that you can't take away and you can't, uh, you got to have some feel. You got to have some feel for people. You got to have some feel for the situation. And I think that's uh, something that occurs a lot for recruiting coordinators almost every day is, yeah. you know, I want to have a feel for a kid. I want to, how's he going to act? Is he going to be a guy that when he gets here, is he going to, is he going to to act a fool? Am I going to have a hard time keeping him in class? Right. Or is he going to be a guy that takes care of his work? He's a yes sir, no sir guy and goes to work. And it's one of those things that, uh, you know, we we look at those. But, you know, my first call is always the coaches. I call their coaches because yeah. those guys are around them all the time. Right. You know, I want to see if guys are being honest. And, you know, it's one of those things. I didn't realize how relationship-based – baseball is yeah you know you and i two years ago we met as as 
uh, opponents. Right. And we've just stayed in contact. Right. And it's one of those things I know that I could call you and go, hey, man, have you seen this guy? And you go, yeah. I go, all right, what's he like? And if you yeah. told me, I'd go, okay, I trust yeah. him. I wouldn't, I wouldn't second guess a single bit of it. But there's guys that I've, even guys that I've played with that have tried to send me guys. And I'm going, I just don't see it, man. And it's one of those things that, you know, you talk about the right fit. Maybe we just saw you on a bad day. It happens. Or maybe we saw you on a good day. And yeah. sometimes the flip it is. Yeah, the flip happens. I mean, you know, I, I think Steve Springer has a line that says, well, one day made my career. You know, yeah. or, you know, and I think a lot of people have that same scenario. It's like, shoot, I, I showed up at Garner Webb at one showcase, like literally one day it made my college career happen. Um, so, you know, I understand completely. We can catch guys on bad days. We can catch guys on great days. And then that first impression or at least somewhat of a first impression, because you're watching them the whole way. Like if somebody gets your attention in the game, you're going to start isolating on that guy when he starts going off, what he's doing in the dugout you know, how he's interacting with teammates, how he's interacting with his coaches. And then before you know it, like he might do something that tweaks, even though his on the field stuff is great. It's like, you, you just saw him have an interaction in the dugout that was just like, you know, what was that? You know, so yeah. not, not everything being, so I guess you had a great day at the plate, but you're, you know, you're kind of a butt in the dugout, like, you know, or you said, you know, what'd you say? Turd nugget or turd bucket turd bucket that's what it is the so, old turd bucket yeah, so you know understanding that that aspect of it really comes into play too because once you get the attention of a coach or once you get the attention of the recruiting coordinator like you it's like yeah. well game on you know now you've got my attention but I, some kids forget i don't want that attention right now because i don't want you to see who i really am or yeah. you know maybe something slips and now all of a sudden i got judged you know and I can't really take that stuff back. So I guess the, and when we talk about the player aspect of it, what are some of those ways during a game or during an event that you're seeing, it kind of grabs you more? Like how do they, how, how can players kind of increase their opportunity once you're there, you're, you're at the game, maybe you're not even watching them, you're watching somebody else, but you know, they feel they've got a chance to play at the college level for one. And then obviously to be a, you know, a recruit for Bluefield and ultimately be a, a difference maker in your program. So how, how do they, how can a player increase their opportunities once they're in front of you? You know, my big thing is body language. You know, I watch, you know, I, I typically sit, uh, unless I'm picking up radar, I typically sit far away from everybody because I like to see how everything's going. I like to be quiet by myself. Um, you know, the big thing I'm watching with everybody is I'm watching body language. I'm watching, how are you carrying yourself? Do you have a little bit of confidence? Are you down in the dumps? I can see that on your face, in your shoulders, how you walk, how you move, how you're throwing the ball, how you're taking your practice wings. We can see that as coach. That's something that triggers us in the back of the head. You know, are you a guy that on your second strike out of the day, do you go to the dugout and obliterate the helmet rack? Mm -hmm. Do you throw the helmet on the ground? Or do you go, are you, are you stopping at your teammate and going, Hey man, this is what I saw. This is what he got me on. Be aware of, is it about you or is it about the team? Right. You know, that's my big thing is mm -hmm. if you want, if you'll stand out, if you, if you control your body language and you're doing it, if you play the game the right way, I'll see it. Right. Are you a guy that hits a ground ball, at a shortstop, but runs a hard 90 automatically? I'll go, who's that kid? Mm -hmm. Are you a kid that, 
is upbeat, even though you get out, you're 0 for 4 for the day. Are you upbeat still cheering on right. your teammate? Are you the first guy in line when a guy hits a home run going, yeah, man, nice job. Yeah. That's a big team win. You know, in a, you know, we talked earlier, you touched on it about we don't really engage with those parents. I'm listening to parents. Yeah. I'm figuring out who's the parent of who. Right. Because yeah, I'll be honest, parents, if you're chirping at umpires. Oh, yeah. I don't care how good your team yeah. is. I'll cross you off the list. Yeah. Because I don't want to hear that for four years. You know, we play 55 games a year. That's yeah. what, 220 games in four-year process? Right. I'm not going to hear that for 220 games. Well, no, uh, let's go 110 at the well, 110 at the house. Well, in worst case scenario, you're going to have umpires that are aware, you know, kind of like the reverse. It's like all of all of all of us coaches, all the players, we know who the good umpires are and we know who the bad umpires yeah. are. Umpires are doing the exact same thing. They know who the good homes are and who the bad homes are. So if they've got yeah. some rowdy parents that they're frustrated with from last night's game from the three game series, you better believe that's going to change a little bit of stuff when it, when it's come crunch time to the make or break call. If, if they're subconsciously already, you know, filtering or they're, or they're primed with some sort of negativity coming from behind them. You know, I've seen parents, you know, you and I both, we've seen parents get chucked. Um, You know, we've seen the people that try and, you know, act like as if they're going to have some backyard brawl in the parking lot. It's like it, Nobody wants that. It doesn't no. do anybody any good anywhere, anytime, any place. Like it doesn't do anybody any good. It certainly doesn't do their kids any good because, no. you know, most of the time the, the kid knows that it's going on and can't do anything about it. No. Or it's all worst case, right. Or worst case scenario, the kid's the exact same way. And now good thing you cross them off the list. Cause you don't have to worry about that in your program or in your dugout. So yeah, a big point to touch up on there. Cause I think parents sometimes, like there's a, there's a way to do it as far as chirping at umpires, same way that you would teach it as a, as a coach to your players. It's like, yeah. you got to know where the line's drawn and every umpire draws their lines differently. Some are very and bold and some yeah. are very thin. That's where you and I have that weird relationship because we got to have those mask on conversations with guys of like, right. Hey man, like we get to, we get to sit in front of a bunch of umpires. Some guys we liked, some guys we didn't. Yeah. But we knew we had that relationship built, you know, and that you touched on a little bit. I'm not a big fan of players chirping on parks. Mm-hmm. I don't think, you know, there's a lot of things going on. Like you said, there's a lot of things going on. They're human. They're going to mm-hmm. make mistakes. You know, that's a big thing is do you get, do you get a play that doesn't go the way you want it to? Right. Are you going to say something to him? How's your body language in that conversation? Yeah. You just wipe it off and go, hey, man, all right, whatever, and let your coach handle it? Or do you do you say something and chirp him? Because now if you chirp him, what they don't know is if you chirp him, that zone just got either a little bigger or a little smaller. Yeah. If you're on the mound, it's going to get smaller. If you're in the, at the plate, you better hope that it's not close because I'm right. banging this time. And that's that's kind of the culture that we've – you know, kind of circling back to what we talked about, that's that's kind of the culture that we've talked about here is, you know, everybody has a voice. Everybody is a leader. If you don't like something, say something. Right. There's, there's a way to say it. You know, the old, I don't know if you got it as a lot. I was a smart aleck as a kid. It's not what you said. It's how you say it. Um, you know, a lot of those things, you know, you talked about Gardner-Webb. You, you guys hated each other. Mm-hmm. I had a teammate here that he and I didn't get along. We hate each other. 
multiple times we came to hands at multiple different places. But I knew when we stepped on there, I knew that if he said something, he meant it. And if he knew, he knew that if I said something, I meant it. And right. that, that's because we were going to play as hard as we can. So it's one of those things that those are small things that we look at because those are things that we can't teach. Right. And and that kind of builds into the intangibles that you're looking for too, even though you may not like say that you're looking for it or like, you know, exactly how to describe it. It's like, there's a, there's an unconscious thing that goes on when you look at a ball player that you understand, Hey, that's, you know, and maybe the other thing too, is it, it kind of reaches into, he's kind of like me or he's kind of like coach. Like he has a little bit of a connection already based yeah. on, you know, these nonverbal cues that you're getting the vibe, like as if he's, kind of going through the same things you did as a player. So yeah. yeah, I just, I think those are, those are obvious to me now. They were not obvious to me as an 18 or a 20 year old kid. And you're sitting back looking at it like, well, you know, I probably could have done that better. Or, you know, maybe I could have had a better interaction here that would have caused me less pain over the long run. Without a doubt. And it's, they might not know what I'm talking about. The parents, you know, we got a Rolodex of players in our head. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm trying to compare you to players that I've played with, that I've seen, that I know. I'm trying to compare you to those guys. Right. And kids that just Which came part, out of your program last year, like you're, you're constantly exactly. doing that swing. Yeah. Yeah. It, are you better than what I have now? And, and it's players that I have in my program now. I may look at a guy. I may not be looking for an outfielder, but all of a sudden I see a guy hit and I'm like, ooh, is he better than what we got now? Yeah. Okay. Right. It's got, you know, is he more talented? maybe is he a better kid yeah you know it's kind of one of those things that we're always comparing you to people right you know my, the first question my head coach asked what kind of who's he like compare him to somebody right all right he's a he's a better so-and-so he's not as fast but he's better here or he's better mm-hmm. there uh he lacks this um it's kind of one of those things we're always comparing guys right yeah and I think honestly too, you kind of have the Jeter mindset too. It's like the Yankees would always compare. I'm sure they compare everybody to Jeter personality wise and player wise. And it's yeah. like everywhere I've had, we've always had the Jeter set. So, you know, at Reinhardt, it was Danny Rodriguez. It's like our shortstop for four years when I, you know, the last year I was there. It's like, you're always comparing to that guy because you wanted everything that was about him off the field and on the field, even though it didn't translate to different position. It was like, yeah. well, well, dude, why wouldn't you want that guy? You know, the same thing we go, I think at Gardner Webb, we had a guy named Aaron Miller who was our shortstop for two years. And it's like, man, you know, who, who wouldn't want that kind of guy? Or, you know, you're picking and choosing based on the good years and the bad years, especially in a pitching staff mindset. You're like, man, if I could just have a, a staff of blanks yep. and not even, if, not I, could, even if I could have 40 of this guy, right. we'd be all right. One of the more important things about understanding your, your fit. It's like, okay, if you're, if you're a ball player and you don't fit that caliber of, even personality trait of what they're trying to compare you to. It's not that you'd be wasting your time. It's just, it's not the fit for you right now. And it's not the mold that you are as a player, you know, and I, I know you talked about transparency earlier. So, and under that transparent umbrella that you guys have with your recruits, how soon are you to kind of relay and say, Hey, look, you know, you're just, it's just not that fit that you're, you know, you're going to work into here. I think we're looking for a different kind of player. So how soon are you going to tell them, Hey, I don't think this is the right fit for you. You know, it's kind of one of those things. I try my best to do my research ahead of time. You know, I, you and I are very similar in that we are very prepared. There, there's not an opportunity or a situation that we don't walk into that we haven't thought about at least two or three times. Right. 
So it's kind of one of those things that as a recruiting coordinator for me, I more lean on the research part of it. Um, you know, those are tough conversations to have, but it's one of those things that um, I, I try not to waste any time with it because I, I don't want to waste your time and I don't want to waste my time. Yeah. Um, the college recruiting process is quick. It's fast. Um, you know, I've got certain guys to talk to. I'm not going to waste my time talking to a guy that doesn't fit. And I don't think that players, if it doesn't fit you, don't be afraid to call coach and hey, coach, I really appreciate everything that you've right. done, but it, it's just not my fit. Okay, yeah. great. Yeah. I totally understand. Right. Because it's one of those things. I hope I don't play against you. Mm -hmm. If we do, I'm going to try to beat you. And then afterwards, I'll hug your neck, ask how everything's going. How's mom and dad? How's everything right. going? But what they don't realize is I have more respect for a guy that does that. If yeah. you, John Harris, were like wanting to come, didn't want to come here. I like, hey, coach, I appreciate it. I'm going to Gardner Webb. Okay. Right. Well, what guys don't know is, you know, I may know people that coach in the happy room. Okay. So if they go, hey, man, you know this guy? I'm like, yep. Super respectful kid. Play hard for you. Have nothing but good things to say. Right. But if you go, like, if you ghost me or just quit talking to me, and that's fine. You've burned that bridge. Yeah. Or even like we've all, we've all coached, we've all coached in those leagues. You know, like, so when it yeah. comes to your GM making a phone call and saying, Hey, we got that guy that I think you recruited a lot too long ago. You know, what do you got to say? Like how, like you're really quick to kind of give an answer if that reaction, as they say, Hey, no thanks or thanks, but no thanks. You're yeah. really quick to kind of snap to it and say, well, no, I don't want him on that. I don't want him on this roster. Cause you know, there was just something about it when I was recruiting, it didn't feel right. And I'm not sure it's going to be the right fit here either. So you know, so players be aware, like we all talk, everybody talks to each other, parents, we're all friends. Right. And, and, and honestly too, because what's going to happen in a couple of years, if say you get an opportunity to go somewhere else, it's like, well, no, if you alienate every coach that's ever in your league, you'll never have a job opportunity somewhere else. So no, we're all, we're, we're all, all friends. friends. <laughs> that's why they have an ABCA convention. Right, we're exactly. all friends. <laughs> I get to see all of my, yeah. All of my coaching friends from all over the country. Right. Yeah. We all get to chat it up, talk it up. Who cares about those talks that everybody's on the stage, you know, chatting about, we'll make a couple of notes, but I'll see you in the lobby. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, that's, that's fun for us. And yeah. it's so relationship built right. and, you know, in baseball, your word is golden. And mm -hmm. if, if you put good words out there, people will listen to you. They'll take your word for what it's worth. Right. But, you know, it's one of those things. If I'm asked a question, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie to pump you up. I'm not going to lie to bring you down. I'm going to tell you straight up, okay, yeah, he can hit, but he's a turd bucket. Right. He's a bad teammate. He doesn't do this. He doesn't hustle. Right. He can play, but he's this is what he is. You got the red it, flags all built up. They're, not, they're, they're really quick to see, and you can relay those very quickly to your friends and your, and your coaching colleagues and kind of deter them away from a bad decision too. And it's kind of a selfish thing. It's kind of a selfish mentality in that I want my friends to trust me. Right. But trust in baseball is huge. Well, you yeah. And, and honestly, as we're seeing now, it's like trust in general. I mean, shoot, when they get outside yeah. and they're on social media, whatever, it's like, you know, there's a lot of distrust out there. And you're trying to figure out, well, who, who can I trust as a young kid? And this is another reason why I wanted to do these conversations is because I want to build trust between players and coaches. Because, yeah, that stigma that is you know, like swindling the player or trying to bribe them into coming here. It's like, 
nobody wants that because in a year and a half, when you're unhappy, you're going to go somewhere else and hate it there more than likely too because you still think that there's a or there's a lack of transparency and I'm lying to you about something. But realistically, it's just we didn't do our research if if that's going on. Yeah, you know. So that, you know, big and thing that brings here. me and that brings me to a great point is what I tell guys and the big thing I tell guys that showcases have a checklist, right. know what you want, right. talk to mom and dad. Nobody likes talking about money. I don't like talking about money. I'm 27. I don't like, oh, soon to be 27. Yeah. March is next week. Huh? Holy, wow. Years have gone by fast. Um, you know, I'm 27. I hate talking about money. But have that tough conversation with mom. Okay, mom and dad. Okay, mom, what can we afford? Right. What is in your guys' price range? Right. Okay. All right. Do I want a small setting or do I want a big setting? Right. Do I want uh Am I looking for a certain roster spot? Am I, you know, have you done your research on the roster? How many guys they have in your position? Yeah. Have you talked to guys? Do you know anybody that went there? Have you talked yep. to anybody about them before? What kind of shoot they've got? You know, they're more than likely connected with, with them on social media. It's like, how hard is it just to pick up the phone, go on Twitter and say, Hey, um, I noticed you're on roster at whatever. It's like, what's it like to play there? You know, how, how, you know, how's that coach? Cause he told me like this, that, the other, it's like, you know, is that legit or not? Like, and I think that's a fair question for players to ask, or that's at least to try and connect to connect on social media. Shoot, now you've got a relationship built as you step into a program with a potential teammate that otherwise you would have just been, you know, if you say get a kid that you don't usually recruit, maybe it's a, a West Coast guy since you got a connection out there, but it might be the one West Coast guy you brought in. Yeah. But because that guy decided to pick up the phone and call a player, now he's got a roommate for next year. Now he's got a situation where he's a little bit more comfortable in a new environment, some crazy setting. It's like, well, I've picked up and moved or, you know, it could be a kid in the backwoods down, you know, in Virginia that may not know a lot of your guys, exactly. but it's a, it's a great way for kids to kind of connect and say, Hey, look, is this, is this the right fit? I know we say it all the time, but that's, that's why I call it what I call it. It's like, is this the right fit? And it has nothing to do with, you know, is it great to play at? Like, no, it has everything to do with all the other factors that come into this. And I think people put it on a back burner until they shut the door behind them in the dorm room and go, I don't know if this is the right place. You know, you yeah, get that, that scare it's that first day. In, it's that first day in jail mentality. Right. You know, like your yeah. parents left it, you know, orientation is over. You shut the door behind you and you go, oh my gosh, this is real. Like, are, are we where we're supposed to be? And after a couple of days, you'll either get the overwhelming feeling of, yes, I'm supposed to be here, or I don't know if I made the right choice. Let me call dad, see if there's something we can do, or even we'll call somebody else and say, hey, well, I'm thinking about transferring right now. Like, oh, oh, oh. But yeah, all that gets solved with just conversation, you know, having yeah. the ability to, to you know, pick, like I said, pick up the phone and, and try and reach out to somebody that you know might have, maybe it's not the answer you're looking for, but it's, it's an answer. And before you might've just had something in your head that was non-solution based. And then when you finally got the answer, you're like, okay, I can, I can, you know, I can deal with that. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, recruiting gets pretty easy if you know what you want. Right. You know, it kills me all the time. I call kids. All right. What do you want in a college? Uh, I mean, mm-hmm. uh, this is the, there's not many times in your life where you get to be truly selfish to make a decision solely for you, not anybody else. It's not for mom. It's not for dad. It's not for brother, not for sister, grandma, grandpa, your teammates, nothing. This is a decision for you, mm-hmm. you and you only. How do you not know what you want? How right. are you not know what you're looking for? 
So I just think there's, there's times where players need to kind of individualize that thing and, and have that individual conversation with themselves one, and then kind of branch out into small groups. Say like, you know, if their coach is somebody they lean on, ask them about that, you know, like make, make mistakes or make mistakes as early as possible so that it's not happening your sophomore year in college when you're trying to figure out whether or not you should hit the portal or not. Yeah. Do your research. Right. Everybody knows how to use one of these. Yeah. They all have one. Yeah. Do your research. It, it's not, it's not extremely difficult. If it's something you want, seek the opportunity that you want. Don't wait for the opportunity to seek you. Yeah. And sometimes kids miss it. And it's just like, well, well there, your fit just walked past you. Yeah. You know, here was your opportunity. You didn't realize it was your opportunity. Then it passes you and you're like, Oh crap, I missed out on that. Uh, you know, I don't want, you know, we had to, had a conversation with a kid who sadly left here and we had the conversation that it was, you know, well, you know, you quit pursuing me and yada, yada, yada. And then my question was, how many times did I text you and ask you if you'd come by? How many times did you ever show up to those times? Yeah. Did you ever come by and did you ever just come by? You know, we're here all the time. Right. I don't want guys recruiting a lot. I don't want guys that don't want to play here. Sure. If you don't want to play here, just tell me. Great. Right. Awesome. Yeah, be upfront Appreciate and transparent it. like you are. Yeah. Hey, good luck to you. Wish you nothing but the best. Here we go. I'm on to the next guy. You know, you can see my board. I mean, it's – that's just arms. Yeah. There's a bunch. There's guys all over the place. And COVID, COVID has made a recruiting log jam. There's more guys out there than I know what to do with. When you're talking about guys seizing their opportunity and coming at you, how can they reach you? What's the most – easiest or fastest way to get in touch with you and then how can they maintain that how can they maintain that contact you know the big thing um you know email is what i would say is the easiest because it's posted on the website um but man i get uh, i don't know about you i get 100 like 100 emails a day yeah whether it be from school or from just stuff or it's sometimes you just get lost in the mix right um you know, Twitter's a big thing for us, you know, mm-hmm. Twitter, field level, NCSA, um, you know, the old adage, don't put your pop time in the subject line. <laughs> yeah. You know, the old, <laughs> I have a one eight pop yeah. time. Oh yeah. JT Rio Muto has a, he popped the fastest thing. It was what? One eight, eight, one time. You know, it's got one of those things, you know, introduce yourself. Hi coach. Schilling. My name right. is so-and-so. I was doing research on your program. As soon as I see the word research, it sticks out. To me. Yeah. I've done a little bit of, I've done a little bit of homework on your program. Well, this is what I saw. Hopefully if they're watching this video, that means that they took the time to understand that you look at so many things that are not physically related to their abilities as a player. Yeah. To where now when they talk to you on an email, that first line should be, you know, Hey, I, I didn't realize you were from San Diego or I didn't realize this. Hey, you know, would love to connect with you. I feel I've got the tools as a person or I've got some intangibles that you had talked about. You know, I'm, you know, I guess the, I guess the lightning rod type player that you're looking for is really somebody that is unfazed by adversity, but understands that it's there. Yep but ultimately can overcome the adversity and find out how to win, even if it doesn't mean that they succeed today. Yeah. That the team succeeds. If the team succeeds, then it was successful. Right. That that looks adversity in the face kind of smiles and goes, okay, that's all you got. 
roll it back out here. I bet you can't do it again. Right. You know, it's just, you know, for me, it's, we call them in pro ball, they call them separators. Mm -hmm. How do you separate yourself from the back? Right. There's a, there's 22 shortstops on our board right now. We only need one, you know, there's, I'm talking to 20 catchers. I only need one. Mm -hmm. What's the difference? They all play. They all can play. Otherwise I wouldn't have found them. Right. They wouldn't What's be on your difference? board. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they wouldn't be on my board. What's yeah. the difference? You know, and it's you forget, and this is gonna sound weird, you forget coaches are people too. Right. You know, they just see us as, you know, people who move kids in and out and stuff like that. We're people too. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I want to spend time with these kids. Right. You spend a lot time. of time with these guys. Yeah. yeah. These kids are my family. You yeah. know, I have them in my house. Mm-hmm. You know, our pitching staff and our pitchers and catchers come over to my wife's and our house once a month. They have dinner. We do nothing baseball really. We don't even talk about baseball. We have dinner and we play board games. And I swear some of them are more competitive at board games than they are on the baseball field. <laughs> I've had yeah. close. I've almost had a few tables flipped in the house. Almost. Yeah. But, you know, it's just one of those things that for us, you know, you know, and it's this, I don't speak for all coaches, but I know a lot of guys are the same way. Mm-hmm. And that when we talk, or look at players. We only look at players that can play. We're trying to find things. Do you fit in the program? We're looking at the intangibles. Nothing, nothing that has to do with the baseball field. Right. I'm looking for the person. Obviously, you got to be able to play to play college ball. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah, different. it's it's in there. It's in there. But yeah. uh, I mean, ultimately, the difference maker between you going to this program or that has to do with how you related to that coaching staff, how you related to their. There, you said before the the comparisons that they're making about previous players or players that they've played with that aren't even in that program subconsciously. I mean, they're, they're, they're sizing you up. I mean, they're, yeah. you know, there's just that understanding as a player that you have to have to know that I, I'm going to get judged, but I, at least at some point I need to be told the truth on whether or not I feel like I fit or at the, yeah. that the program is willing to accept the fact that, Hey, are you willing to take me in as this personality? Cause yeah, you're going to, you know, like right now, like I'm kind of glad I'm out of it because I get to spend more time with Oliver than I do all these other kids. I had a coach at Reinhardt who was the soccer coach there. And he's, he said, well, you know, to really understand coaching, you're going to spend a lot more time with other people's kids than your own. Yeah. And I just kind of like, Whoa, you know? So another thing with this was to make sure that coaches get out their words and their, what they're looking for in their programs. Cause like right now I know I'm taking up your time and I thank you for it, but I want to make sure that you go home for dinner. Yeah. You know, so if there's a small part of me that can find a way to help coaches find more time at home just by a simple video that allows kids to know you better as a person, makes your recruiting process a little bit better. You know, when yeah. they see you out at the field, it's like, you know, we've already had some sort of conversation. I just didn't have it with you at this time. I saw the video, you know, I looked into your history. I really connected with you. I feel like, you know, if I sent you an email, bam, we'd go right off to get right, right out the gate running. Um, but for me, ultimately, that that just kind of brings it all back in as, you know, there's a lot more involved in what we're doing as recruiting court coaches that I think gets left in the, the the background of all the important stuff that's really going on. I think, you know, we we do a lot to get these kids in. But as they're here, it's like the development aspect has way more to do with their mind and their heart than it does anything else. Oh, 100%. And, you know, if the mind and heart is right, the, the player will develop physically. 
as yeah. far as on the baseball field. Oh yeah. The body um, will take care of it at that, at that point, your emotional status and your mental status take over, you know, and it's, and I'm glad, I'm glad you called me because I, I've known you for a couple of years. You don't shoot anybody wrong. You're going to shoot me straight, whether it's good or bad. And this is a, it's different than I've done a couple already. Um, this is an honest conversation. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I think that's what your guys are going to get, uh, especially if they're on your recruiting board. You know, they're definitely going to get that transparent guy. They're going to get the truth. But honestly, you're, you're not going to waste their time. You know, no. if they're on and your they're, board, they're, you're in them. Like, you're, you're focused. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And this, I feel honored to be episode number one. Yeah, of, hey, uh, I, oh, don't don't bring that up because I've got some friends that are really kind of mad at me for that. But it's not it's not my fault. They they're on the they're on the west coast and they didn't answer fast enough. Hey, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah. But uh, you know, I I've enjoyed it because yeah. it's it's a completely different conversation that um, you know, hopefully that if, if they're recruits or guys that are watching this video, I hope they understand that um, you know we're not. Coaches aren't fake. You know, you'll run into some that are, but majority of us aren't fake. No. You know, this is this is what we're looking for. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So so anyways, I really appreciate your time. Do you have any um are you guys able to do events this year? Are you guys kind of transitioning into the summer program as far as you know what you guys can and cannot do? I don't know what the restrictions are for you guys in your area based on your state, but you know, I'm hoping that there can be some assistance in recruiting later on where I can either get you down here for an event or vice versa, where we're trying to, you know, bridge the gap a little bit for some of the recruiting things that might be going on in the summer. You know, we're trying, we're trying to get some guys up here. Um, you know, it's tough. Um, it's definitely easier for us to travel. Um, I, I tend to travel a lot for recruiting events and, uh, um, you know, it, we want to have some guys up here because obviously we want to show the facilities off a little bit, um, you know. But uh, um, it's kind of touch and go right now. They'll be more developing closer to the summer is kind of we get a handle on this stuff. Uh, definitely want to do some stuff this fall. Um, maybe this summer with the, the league coming in, it's kind of a touch and go. Just, I want to see what their needs are. Right. You know. You're going to be in some sort of a situation with a scheduling conflict. You might not yes. have the facility when you want it. Yep, exactly. So it's just kind of a couple of those things. We're just trying to figure them out, but uh, definitely keep you updated on that. One. Oh, I appreciate it. Yeah. And as, as always, you know, anytime you want to pick up the phone and have a conversation about the wristband thing, you just let me know. Okay. Anytime brother. <laughs> anytime. Cause I know you feel the exact same way I do about that. Yeah, one. It's, it's just one of those things where you're just sitting there thinking, well, who thought of this, you know? what? Yeah. How did how, how did that come about? But anyways, um, you know, Garrett, once again, it's it's always a pleasure to talk. And, you know, I wish you guys the best of luck. You guys have a weekend or a, a midweek series coming up or a weekend series coming up? Yeah, we play uh, we play our cross down division two rival, Bluefield State. Okay. Uh, we play them at the house tomorrow at three o'clock. Nice. Yeah. And then are you so, are you live streaming everything? We are live streaming everything. Okay. I don't think we are tomorrow. Uh, Bluefield State will be live streaming tomorrow, but uh, everything that's home, uh, Rams Digital Network on YouTube is typically okay. where everything's, um, everything's done. I got to give a shout out to our guy, Bailey Angle. Does yeah. a great job, man. He is a baseball guy. Uh, worked with the uh, uh, Tigers organization, made it up double A with the uh, Erie Seawolves. And uh, you want to hear some good small college baseball. He does an excellent job. Well, as always, man, I appreciate your time and best of luck this week. And uh, send me some merch, man. You know, send me a hat. That way, the next time we talk, I can just go head to toe. 
I got you, baby. I got you. I'll, yeah. I'll get you hooked up. Yeah. Well, I appreciate your time as always. Say hello to the wife. Hope everything's good with the family. And, uh, and, and until next time, man, I'll see you later. All right, brother. I'll let you later. All right, man. See ya. See ya.